As we turn to Luke 4, we'll be looking at God's holy word, but we have to remind ourselves that God's word is holy and infallible. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts even to the joint and to the bone and marrow, and it cuts even to our very own hearts. But it's a good thing because God calls us to be a holy sacrifice before him. So as we give honor to God's word, let's stand together. Luke 4, and then we'll read together verses 38 to the end of the chapter. Luke 4, if you're able to stand, please stand. Verse 38. Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she immediately got up and waited on them. While the sun was setting, all those who, had, who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on them, each one of them, was heal, uh, he was healing them. Demons were also coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God! But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. The crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. For he kept on preaching in the synagogues, of Judea. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, we ask that you would have your hand upon us, that you would help us to receive this, your word, that you would encourage us and that you would build us up by means of this, your blessed word preached. And guide me and give me the words to say, for we ask these things by the power and by the help of the Holy Spirit, through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. There's certain things you just can't separate. You know, sometimes you go to Piccadilly and you get a meal and you can pick and choose what you want to eat, but there's certain things in life you just can't separate. And one of those things, as a, I guess, an illustration is fire. You say to yourself, well, I want the heat, but I don't want the smoke and the, I don't want the light. Well, fire includes light and heat and smoke. It, in, it all goes together. You can't separate them. God has bound them together. And in the same fashion, so is the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I thought about opening this sermon by asking a question. Well, what would you prefer more, the preaching ministry of Jesus or the healing ministry of Jesus? Well, there are a lot of people who really would want the healing ministry of Jesus, but it, you can't separate them because they all go together. And we'll look a little bit more at today's text how this is all intertwined, how the preaching ministry and the healing ministry of Jesus all go together in one glorious person and the Holy Messiah. And I hope that you will come to understand and believe that relationship and the importance of it as God reveals it to us in his word. Immediately after Jesus was victorious over the evil one in his temptations, his three temptations, 
uh, the Holy Spirit then led him um, by the power of the Spirit to the region of Galilee to then preach in the synagogues there. And he preached in various synagogues and he was received well by everyone, we are told, until he got down to his hometown synagogue. Those people who grew up with the Lord Jesus, who saw him as a little boy growing up and learning how to use a hammer and a saw with his dad, those same people who grew up knowing Jesus sought to throw him down a cliff. Uh, Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief, and they didn't like it, so they sought to kill him. Well, then he escaped there, and he went preaching in other synagogues as well. But as we get to today's text, today's text here at the end of chapter 4, The focus here is that we are to put our faith in Jesus Christ who preached and delivered many. We are to put our faith in Jesus Christ who preached and delivered many. We'll look at this in two main points. First is Christ's attesting signs and wonders. Secondly, we'll look at Christ's purpose to preach. Let's look first at Christ's attesting signs and wonders. And wonders. Well, first of all, what does it mean to attest? Uh, to attest is to give evidence to. The preaching of Jesus Christ gave evidence to who he was, that he was the divine Son of God, the Holy Messiah, God-man. And the first miracle in today's text noticed here is the healing of Simon's mother-in-law. They asked Jesus for help, and uh, let's look at what happened there. Verses 38 through 39. Then he got up and left the synagogue. That's the synagogue in in Capernaum. And he entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she immediately got up and waited on them. Now before we move on and see this, this healing event, it's important to point out, especially in Louisiana and that's uh, well populated by many uh, of those who hold to the Roman Catholic faith, that the Roman Catholic Church was wrong about Simon Peter's wife and about Simon Peter being celibate. And today's text clearly says he was married. You know, if you're married, you usually have a mother-in-law. Well, one of the Catholic apologists on Catholic.com would say this, Well, by this time, obviously she seems to be dead because wouldn't she be there beside her mother-in-law tending to her? Well, what do you do with that argument? Well, years later, years later, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, uh, do we not have a right to take along a believing wife even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, that's another name for Peter, So Paul argues against celibacy here, clearly. Now, the Roman Catholic apologist would say, well, you know that in in Greek you can translate uh, wife, gune, gune, as a wife or woman. So this could be a, didn't have to be a wife. So this is how they would read it. They would say, uh, do we not have a right to take along a believing wife sister or female assistant, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of our Lord and Cephas, Peter. So you see, these apostles weren't with wives. They had nuns with them. 
they were taking along nuns along their side. Now, it's severely problematic for their case when we read in, in 1 Timothy 3.2 where it says an overseer, which is also translated bishop, must be a husband of one wife. It doesn't say you can't be a single person, but it says you, you can't be a polygamist and be a bishop. But you have to have no more than one wife if you want to be a bishop. Well, what do they do with that? They, a bishop can't have more than one nun? Well, anyway, I love gymnastics. I like watching gymnastics, but I don't like people who try to use translation of the Bible and interpretation in their gymnastics. And that's what this is. It's ridiculous. But let's get back to Simon uh, and his mother-in-law, the same mother-in-law of the wife mentioned by Paul uh, later, years later. Now, she's with a high fever. Now, if you've ever had a high fever, and I've had one, I've had a sickness when I was a teenager that made COVID seem like nothing. I thought I was literally going to die. Um, if you have a high fever, you might, the saying goes, you might feel like death warmed over. You might feel like you're a hair's breadth from dying because you, you feel horrible. We call it severe malaise or illness, sickness feeling. But let's just say that you break the fever and you get over it. In the natural course of your recovery, it may take you days before you get back to activity again. This wasn't the case with Simon's mother-in-law. She was healed, and then immediately she got up and she started fixing supper, washing dishes, taking care of everybody. And Luke, being a physician, points this out to show that it's the, a miraculous, wonderful, blessed healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's the only the beginning of his healing. Let's look at verse 40. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law was only, not the only one who was healed. Verse 40 goes on to say that while the sun was setting, all those who, had, uh, who were sick with various diseases uh, brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Now this verse here does not tell you what sorts of diseases, but I'm going to read you a list of just the healings that Jesus did only in the book of Luke. In Luke's gospel alone, he healed men of leprosy. One man and then later on 11 other men. I mean 10 other men, so a total of 11. He healed a paralytic. He healed a man with a withered hand. He healed a centurion slave who was sick and about to die. He raised a widow's son, and then later uh, he also raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. Uh, a woman with a 12-year-old flow of blood, a 12-year-long 12 12 flow of blood, he healed a boy of seizures. He healed a mute man. He healed blind Bartimaeus. And this list is not exhaustive. In John's Gospel, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. There wasn't a disease of any sort, any ailment that Jesus could not heal. If you ever have doubts and you say to yourself, well, I don't know if this gospel is true, and maybe I'm doubting, well, did God really create all things? Or did we just evolve? Was there a big bang? How can I trust this Jesus? You know, there's a debate among uh, some theologians, but I clearly believe that even John the Baptist, who preached 
the Holy Messiah coming, the Lamb who came into the world. Even John, when he was put in prison, had questions. And let's look at a passage for that. Keep your place in Luke 4, but if we want to look uh, Luke 7, 18. Luke 7, 18. The disciples of John reported to him about all these things, summoning two of his disciples. John sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the expected one? That's the Messiah. Or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. He gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So if you have questions or spiritual doubts, yes, study the word, read the word. Ask God's Holy Spirit to help you believe this word. But look also at the person of Jesus. Look at the works of Jesus. These signs and wonders, these miracles attest, they give evidence that you can trust that he is truly the Christ, truly the Messiah. The Lord Jesus also healed many from the oppression of demons. Look at verse 41. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. Notice here, the minions of the evil one are running scared. Uh, why did Jesus want them to be silent about him being the Christ? But then later on, he's willing to admit that he is the Christ? Because there was a lot of ministry that Jesus had to still do. There was a lot of teaching that Jesus still had to do. He wasn't ready to go to the cross. Because if it was widespread at this point, early in his ministry, that he was the, the Messiah, the Christ, one, they would try to make him a, a, a ruler king to overthrow the Romans by force. They would have tried to do that. Or they would have tried to crucify him earlier. But he had many more things to do before that time was right. But looking at how Jesus healed many of diseases, how Jesus cast out demons, I love um, this one eyewitness report uh, given in Mark uh, chapter 7. Those who witnessed his miraculous works said that he has done all things well. And I believe and I hope and I pray that for each one of you, that you would be able to agree with faith that Jesus Christ has done all things well. Now, at the rate Jesus was going, he could have healed and cleansed all of the Middle East of diseases and demon possession, but that wasn't the purpose for his coming. 
look at Christ's purpose to preach. According to verse 40, the sun was setting, many people brought the sick and demon-possessed to Jesus. So it's just getting dark, and they're bringing many people to Jesus to be healed and cleansed. In verse 42, we read, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. Now, why did Jesus go off to a secluded place? Well, if you read this text carefully, Jesus started doing all this healing and cleansing at sunset. So it says, when um, day came, he, he was healing and cleansing all night. Perhaps you never realized that Jesus Christ pulled all-nighters. But here he did. He, he, he was healing and cleansing all night. And then when the sun comes up, he goes off to a secluded place. I would say the first, maybe one reason would be to rest. I think he would want some rest after being up all night. But if we look at a parallel passage in Luke 6.12, it's written there in your outline. It says, he went off to a mountain, that's another secluded place, to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. So he spent another all-nighter then praying. But I believe here in, in uh, verse 42 of today's text, uh, Jesus went to a secluded place not just to rest, but to also commune with his Father, to pray to his Father, to seek his Holy Father in prayer. If it's important for the sinless, holy Son of God to have private devotions and time of Bible study and in times of prayer to the Father, it should be essential for you to have time of private devotion as well. Now getting back to his ministry here, it says, Many who saw Christ's miraculous works, they then told others about what Jesus was doing and how he healed people and how he cleansed people of evil spirits. And they started gathering a crowd to him. They wanted him to continue doing it. In verse 42, it says, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. So the crowds eventually found him in his secluded place. And they said, No more time for Bible study or no more time for prayer, Jesus. We need you to get to work again and start healing again. But what did Jesus say? Um, well, actually, look at verse 42. They, it says they even tried to keep him from going away from them. You can't go, Jesus. We got more people here that need you. You got to heal more people. You got to cast out more demons. Now, some people maybe, I don't know, maybe some people in, in our community as well would say there's nothing more spiritual than a, than a, a, a marathon healing worship service. But I think Jesus here would, would disagree. The Lord Jesus was not agreeable to only having a healing service. Look at verses 43 and 44. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of, the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, this mention here in, in the text says that he was not only healing and delivering people, he was preaching to them as well. But then he said he must go to other cities to preach as well. 
The healing of diseases wasn't the ultimate reason why Jesus came into the world. Imagine one of those people that were healed, maybe healed of um, paralysis, blindness, some other ailment. A person can be healed of a severe debilitating disease, yet still pass from this life and go to hell. Jesus Christ preached the kingdom. He preached the gospel and he told people about who he is and what he was about to do. And his work on the cross is indispensable. Jesus Christ came into the world to die for sinners, to suffer for sinners such as you and I, to be raised from the dead so that we have also that hope of resurrection, that Jesus Christ came and he had a ministry that was absolutely necessary for the salvation, not just the healing, but the eternal salvation of men, women, and children. Think about the love and the kindness of Jesus in healing many and delivering many from evil spirits. I love this uh, part of this hymn from Jim, I'm sorry, John Morrison. Jim Morrison is, is the singer for The Doors. This is a, a, this is a singer named, I mean, this is a, a hymn writer named John Morrison. I think he wrote this hymn in uh, 17 something, 1760 or something like that. Twas on the night when doomed to know. He wrote these words. When kindness in his bosom glowed, from his lips salvation flowed. Yes, Jesus healed many, but the words that he spoke from his life, I mean from his life and his mouth, were eternal life. The, the words that Jesus spoke were eternal life. Let's look at Romans 10 to witness the importance of preaching. Romans 10. This gives us some glimpse of why it's important for preaching and even the preaching of Jesus. It says in verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And Jesus Christ in his preaching had the most beautiful feet of all in bringing that glorious message. Today's text encourages you, and I plead with you, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only delivered many, but preached the holy gospel of the kingdom of God.
Why did Jesus perform many signs and wonders? First and foremost, he did so healing and delivering many to testify and give evidence that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Even the enemies of Christ, the minions of the evil one, testified as well that he was the Son of God. Christ said, I didn't come just to heal, but to preach. The primary purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world was that Jesus would one day die on the cross to suffer for sinners such as you and I, that we might believe in not just the works and the, those attesting works, those testifying works of Jesus, but in the person of Jesus, that he is the Savior of mankind. He is the only Savior by which we may have forgiveness and be granted access to heaven and be pleasing to the Father only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Our blessed God, we thank you for the mighty works that you have demonstrated through your Son, even Jesus our Lord. We thank you that even throughout the history of the entire Holy Scriptures, that none other but Jesus casted out demons at this time in history. And we thank you that these works testify that your blessed Son, the Messiah, was truly the Christ, truly the promised one who had been longed for for so many years, even since the beginning of creation. Help us, we pray, to put our faith in him, that we would put our faith not only in what he did, but in his person, in his wonderful, blessed, holy sacrifice for sinners such as us. Oh, Father, we pray that you would give us faith to believe and receive your holy gospel and to be granted eternal life. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 188. Oh Jesus, I have promised. Let's stand and sing 188. <laughs>